Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and I am so glad that you are here as uh, we are in week two of our series, Skeptic. And here's what we've been doing is we've been basing this series on many of your questions uh, that you have about life and faith. Last week I looked at uh, faith and science and are they compatible. If you, if you missed that one, encourage you to check that out. Now we have people who, uh, a lot of you, maybe even a majority of you, uh, work more in science fields or technology. And so I uh, got a lot of great positive feedback. But then I got the, the one I knew I was going to get. Hey, why do you even need to do a series uh, called Skeptic? I mean, shouldn't we just go ahead and, and uh, believe everything? Yes, you should believe everything I say. And, uh, but uh, here, here's the reason why I would challenge you on that. I think most of us uh, are about, or many of us, are about three questions away from walking away from our faith, no matter what your faith is. Uh, whether you're a committed Christ follower, you're an atheist, you're uh, from another religion or worldview. And so it's important to engage. And I know this is true because on Easter weekend, uh, a great weekend, we had, as you know, we had a ton of people, uh, 8,500 people on all our campuses, and, uh, but they always show on National Geographic or Discovery Channel one of these shows about the real hidden life of Jesus. And so uh, I, I will get that, uh, that people watch these shows. And by the way, I am not against National Geographic or Discovery Channel. I mean, they are great for Shark Week, for Gator Boys, for Civil War reenactments. They're awesome. Those shows are awesome. But I don't necessarily think the people who brought us Gator Boys are going to bring the deepest philosophical understandings and theological understandings of the Scripture between that and Shark Week. So, uh, great, great, but probably not great for that. I think what we want to do is we want to dig a little bit deeper. And today I'm going to uh, uh, hit the very cheery topic of the problem of evil. Some of you are thinking, I should have brought my in-laws. This is for them. <laughs> or maybe you are here and they brought you for that reason. This uh, last week, uh, I went, I picked up my, my youngest daughter. Uh, she did running start and all that, so she finished her junior year at Washington State University over in Pullman, Washington. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, Pullman is a little town on the far edge of the state, and it's about five-hour drive away from here. And you might wonder, what's between here and Pullman? What's the answer? Nothing. It is nothing at all. Some of you are like, oh, well, I don't even believe our God in heaven or hell. You'll believe in hell if you make that drive. 
<laughs> so you, uh, so I was going and I was picking her up, and uh, great, we had great conversation. And, and I was thinking about the possibilities. We live in an amazing age, the possibilities for the future. But as I was also thinking about the potential challenges that she would be facing or could face in her life. People who would say something about her that may not be true. Has that ever happened to you? Treat her poorly. That there would be maybe problems uh, at work. I mean, we have that, you know, cyber criminals stealing our identity. We have people, now that uh, everything's delivered to our doorstep, people stealing packages off our doorstep. Has that happened to any of you ever, that kind of thing? Yeah, a few of you? Uh, any of you have those video cameras uh, on, you know, like a ring or anything like that for your doorstep? Any? Oh, you're not very well protected. That's great. Give me your address. The, uh, <laughs> so, the, uh, no, I don't have to worry about uh, those video cameras uh, for my front porch because my neighbors stare at our house incessantly. Uh, yeah, that's uh, funny unless you live it. And uh, so they're, they're watching our house. They can identify any person coming in and out of the house. I think they're keeping a journal for the authorities. And uh, now in my neighborhood, uh, there really aren't a lot of uh, Christians, any that I, that I know of. But we have this time of the year where we always have our block party. There's about 50 homes. And uh, so there's a block party, and they invite us, which is awesome. And, uh, but it's always an awkward situation, because they know I'm a pastor. And uh, so they're out there talking and eating and drinking. And then I come out, and they see us, and they're like, they're like this. They hide their beer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. My wife drinks like a fish. The, uh, <laughs> Some of you are wondering if that's real. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. There's all sorts of things that can happen that are, and, and I'm having a little bit of fun. Terrorism, there's boys. <laughs> there's, there's those things that can really steal our joy. And honestly, sometimes for us, it can be a crisis of faith. Now, every, every religion in the world or non-religion, has a way that we deal with the problem of evil, the problem of pain, the problem of suffering. It doesn't matter. If, if you're uh, an atheist, hey, you, you probably, okay, there's a problem of pain, but there's, uh, and, and that's okay, you can believe what you want to, but there's no help, there's no hope. And that's sort of how, how we live through, go through life. There's, there's those who would be spiritualists who would deny the reality of evil. That and these people have never had children. And the, <laughs> no, the, <laughs> I love my kids too. But, but seriously, that there, and I can't, and I, even if you don't ever believe the Bible, I'm just talking about intellectually, philosophically. You deny there's evil in the world. So when people shoot up a mosque or a church, that's not bad? You're telling, when uh, Holocaust, can you, can you honestly believe that? But you can believe what you want to. This is America, you get to believe what you want to. Or maybe you're like Nietzsche, the, the great atheist philosopher. He said, if there is no God, everything's permissible. 
then really it's just about my personal happiness, and if that causes you pain, that's just part of the equation. And actually, that is really a logical outflow if you buy into that, and I think many people do. In Hinduism, you have the karmic system where we sort of get what we deserve. If, if you're suffering, it's, well, you, you deserved it, and you're going to work through that. In Buddhism, it's the elimination of desire, and if I just didn't have a desire, I can work through that and become enlightened. And, and then there's Christianity, which offers a radically different answer. You may not agree with it, but you will agree with the fact that it is radically different. And it goes back to what we celebrate around Easter, Jesus rising from the dead, but you know what happened before that? He went to a cross. And he, he said, evil is real, sin is real, pain is real. And he gave his life. And John Stott, the great, the great theologian, says this, I could not believe in God if it were not for the cross. In a real world of pain, how could one worship a God who is immune to it? I have entered into many Buddhist temples and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha, his legs crossed, arm folded, eyes closed, a remote look on his face. Detached from the agonies of this world. But each time I've had to turn away, and in my imagination I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross. Nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorns, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That's the God for me. The, the Bible tells us that, that we have a high priest in the book of Hebrews who identifies with us in our weakness. In, in fact, some people say, well, I'm going through, through pain, so there must not be a God. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. The, the Bible says there will be. But we have someone who can walk with us through it. One, one of the reasons, too, I, I trust the Scripture, and I'm going to get in that. Many uh, in, this, in this skeptic series, many of your questions, you can still submit them, had to do with Scripture and, and, and the exclusivity of, of Jesus. Because of, it speaks openly about things that are difficult. Psalm 10, 1 the psalmist says, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? We, we had questions that were submitted along that line. Uh, one of the questions is this, why does God say he wants to do us no harm, but kids get cancer, we get diagnosed with chronic disease, our family member dies in a car accident, etc. If he means us no harm, then why do these things happen? And then the next question, uh, we have another one. It says, I see a lot of pain and suffering in my job. My coworkers ask, why would God allow suffering, uh, the suffering people go through? Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Ben, this has been a very cheery message to this point. Uh, it's a difficult topic. Don't worry, junior high jokes are back next week. Uh, but I want us to deal spiritually, intellectually, and really with our heart in this issue. 
There, there's a term for this, and, and again, just hold on for, you know, you can, I know it's a sunny day, but we need to engage on this one. It's called theodicy. It's the problem of if there is a loving God, then how can there be evil? How can there be pain in the world? Every religion has to uh, deal with this or non-faith system. And see, here's the problem is we don't just deal with it uh, from a scriptural or philosophical standpoint. It's emotional. Because it's not just about what's bad's happening in the world. It's, hey, maybe in my life right now, what is God going to do? And sometimes here's what happens is we get too close to something to really see a way out. And so you, if you're here and you're in a point of pain, if you're a point of disappointment, I just want you to know you might be too close. You might want to even revisit what we talk about here again at some time in the future. So, so it, it's, it's a significant issue that we deal with in our life. It's sort of, sort of like this, like, like my kids. Uh, now, my wife and I weren't, weren't from Christian families, and so people would say, how do you raise pastor's kids? We didn't even know how to raise Christian kids. And so, uh, and, and so people, uh, we weren't ready for, some people would love to, you know, try to get your kids in trouble. And they're like, your daughter pushed another little girl. And you know what I'm thinking? What did that little girl do to deserve it? I'm sure something. Why? Because I'm her dad. I'm not going to ever look objectively around my kids. I'm going to say, hey, you know, it's my kids. It's the other kid's fault. You know, that's how it works. And sometimes we're like that with our pain. We're a little too close to it. So what I want to do is take a step back. Take a step back and look at this. If God is real, why does bad stuff happen to good people. Evil and suffering can cause us to walk towards God or away from God. See, it's easy if, uh, you know, we get to believe in God when we get the promotion at work. It's easy to believe in God when we get the raise. It's easy to believe in God when everyone's healthy. It's easy to believe in God when you're Husband comes home and says, you know what, I was wrong the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that's never going to happen. But what about in those difficult moments? Why, why do they happen? Number one, there, there is no perfect person. There is no sinless people. Again, uh, some people will deny sin. I think it's an intellectually untenable position to hold. It, it's written in the Bible as there is no one righteous, not even one. And it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the reality is that we, we struggle with this. In our society, here, here's what we struggle with is, you know, every, everything's good, everything's basically good. And, and I'm not saying to look for the evil in, in anything or anyone. But if we deny that, we're going to deny the help and the hope that we need. Now, I became a Christ follower a uh, long, long time ago, over 30 years ago. And, 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 in, and in that, 
uh, it was during a period where, where people really understood there was a problem. In fact, in that time in Christianity, uh, it was, there was a movie that was actually even old then that uh, was supposed to scare you into following Jesus. It was called A Thief in the Night. Any of you remember that movie? Any of you? If you okay, yeah, yeah. It was literally to try to scare the hell out of you. Number one cause of bedwetting in that generation, I think. But there's a reality where there's some truth to it, that I have to deal with what's going on in me. Number two, we live according to our own game plan, that oftentimes we, we don't seek uh, wisdom, that, that, and, and we, we make our own choices. We, we have this ability. Hey, have you ever had someone who uh, at at work, and they're complaining about some situation, and like maybe some girl they're dating, or some guy they're dating, and they're like, I don't know why this is happening, and you're looking at them with your other friends thinking, we all told you not to date her, but why? We have a free will. I believe in, well, I believe in free will except when you walk into Costco, then you have no free will. Then it's all predestination. It's like, God, I, I can't control it. Came in for a loaf of bread, walked out with tires and a backup generator. So, but, but in general, we have the ability to choose. And in that, James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Maybe for, for some of us, and I'm not saying that everything bad in, in your life or the world is because of a choice you made, and it certainly isn't, but let's be realistic. Some of it sometimes is. And so with those parts, it's because we, we, we want to live our own way. In fact, I get this every once in a while. People say, I can't believe in a God who would send people to hell. He doesn't. We actually just choose. God says, if you want to be with me for eternity, the only thing you need to bring is your sin and I will forgive you. Isn't that a great deal? But if you want to live apart from me, I will respect that. Number three, evil and Satan aren't make-believe. Now, now, I know some of you are thinking, okay, here it comes. Here's the weird stuff. You said no weird stuff. Now you're talking about the devil. Well, as I said, evil, and I think I address that strongly enough, is that is that evil is real. I don't think, even if you're not a Christ follower, never intend to be, I don't think you'd probably argue with me much on that one. But Satan, there's an enemy of our souls, and it's not God and Satan on an equal footing. And I've done a whole message on that. Can't repeat it in 30, 40 seconds. But have you ever thought about, why do I think the things I think sometimes? Why do I get stuck in these loops of behavior? The Apostle Paul said, the things I don't want to do are the very things I do, and there's an enemy of our soul that would lead us in that way away from God. The, the Scripture talks about it this way. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring wolf. No, not a wolf. That would be a dog. A lion. What family is a lion part of? Hey, I just teach a Bible. That's all I do, you know. So, a uh, cat. Someone said they were going to give me a cat. <laughs> uh, and they, they're going to have to go to a new church. Anyway, uh, but, you know, like a roaring lion, 
looking for someone to devour. There, there is an enemy of our soul, and that if you're, if you're not in tune with that spiritual reality, that there's a spiritual realm, not just a physical realm, you'll face challenges, and you'll wonder why. And, and God says, yes, there's a way for me to walk with you in that. And part of that is, n- number four, to understand, this is part one of eternity. That there is heaven, heaven is a real place, it's not something that your grandma made up to uh, make you feel better when your dog died. Jesus said that he's gone to prepare a place for us, but that we're not there yet. C.S. Lewis, a great author and scholar who was an atheist, taught at Oxford, uh, uh, was an atheist, and, and, and he describes his his spiritual transformation in this book called Surprised by Joy. And and he, he, he puts it this way. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is I was made for another world. I I will uh, do funeral services. And, And I say this, and the, the idea, and this is a very Christian understanding of death, it's not that it is beautiful, actually. It is that it is an in, a natural interruption. You ever lose a loved one and you feel like it was too soon? Because God has created for you, created you to live forever with Him for eternity. Death is actually called the enemy. But we live in this period of time, uh, American theologian George Eldon Ladd calls it uh, the already but the not yet, that we already experience God's, God's power, we, maybe even miraculous, but that it's not yet at its fulfillment, and we live in the in-between times. And what do we do when we're living in the in-between times? If you read the book of Genesis, you're, you're going to find the first couple chapters. It talks uh, about when the f- uh, first men and women, and that God's primary, primary purpose was our happiness. And yet, some, when sin entered the world, it became about something different. Because if God's job is to make us happy and pain-free, He's not doing a very good job, is He? Now, some of you think, okay, Ben's going to hell for that one. But it's true, he isn't. But his number one purpose is our redemption. Since the fall of humanity is that you and I would come into a life-giving relationship with God. And the most broken things in our world, in the universe, and yes, in our hearts, would be redeemed. That's what we celebrate every weekend, what we celebrated especially during the Easter season. So, so, so here, here's the problem. It, so why doesn't God make everything right? I understand that He's come to redeem everything, but why doesn't He make everything right right now? Why doesn't, because then He'd have to take away your free will. You, you look at it this way. Uh, any, of you, any of you have kids? Any of you have more than one of these creatures? Okay. Well, they've gotten in a fight, right? And what happens? Have you ever done this? We tried this parenting technique. Go make up. Go tell your sister you love her. Oh, yeah, you're laughing. Do you know why? Because it didn't work out, did it? No, you were, you were sincere. You were the authority. 
And they're like, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't hit you harder, you know. There has to be a choice. But with the ability to choose good, there's the ability to choose evil. And we live in this fallen world. And so why doesn't God make everything right right now? We read, uh, we did a whole book study in 1 Peter. I think I'm going to do 2 Peter in the next year or two. This is from 2 Peter. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Aren't you glad that God's patient with you? That God doesn't just zap you or judge you, but that He's patient with you in your time of struggle? So the, so the question is, is, is if I understand that happens, and I understand that for God to make everything right, if He removed all evil from the world, He'd have to remove me. So the key question, is there anything I can do on this side of eternity to make things better? And that's what I want to look at uh, really quickly in our time together. Matthew 6.10, it says, uh, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what, is, what, what do I do? How do I, how do I address that? How do I join with God in His kingdom work in this in-between time? Number one, I need to start with me. And I know it's fun to uh, uh, start with other people, to judge other people. Isn't that a lot more fun? Yeah, because you know those horrible people? Because they're out there. They all go to another church. We know that. But here's what the Bible says. It says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. And then number two, choose to be an ancient of hope. Say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a difference. I'm going to partner with God in His redemption work. Jesus, as He's speaking to His followers, He says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light their lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It says in James 4, 17, if anyone then knows the good they do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So we say, God, where, are you, where do you want me to bring hope? Where in my workplace do you want me to bring hope? Where in my family do you want me to bring hope? That really comes to number three, inject grace into my world. This is where our faith is paramount, because we cannot do this apart from Jesus Christ or a life with God. God's grace, and there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting, is when you deserve to be punished and not getting that. That's a good thing. I'm thankful for mercy. Grace is giving the good that someone doesn't deserve. And, and, now, and now I'm going to meddle a little bit. You say, okay, that's great, but we're having problems, and man, there's a lot of pain in our marriage. I get that. I've talked a lot. And I don't want to minimize it. I don't know what you've gone through. But can I ask you a question? Have you injected grace into your marriage? Well, they haven't. I didn't ask you about them. Have you said, because of Jesus' grace for me, where he gives me the good I don't deserve, 
I'm going to, even in my marriage relationship, you know that you'll probably never be more hurt than in a family relationship. Because we get close and we do things we shouldn't, we say things we shouldn't. And we have the opportunity to be like Jesus. Yes, do it for the whole world. But I'm saying, when we, if we don't start close to home, then do we really believe that? I was at a, a conference. Uh, Rick Warren, you're probably familiar with him. He's a pastor, but you're probably familiar because he wrote the uh, best-selling hardcover book in American history, tens of millions of copies, called The Purpose Driven Life. And uh, he, a lot of, you know, leads a big church, tens and tens of thousands of people, does conferences. Well, a few years back, his son Matthew, 27 years old, struggled with depression, mental illness, and, and he took his own life. And people being like they are, even in, you know, say horrible things online, and so he was in this deep moment of pain where there wasn't a clear answer. All the whys weren't going to be answered this side of heaven. And I was at that conference, and, and Rick's a big guy over six feet tall, several hundred pounds, I mean, big dude. And there were thousands of people, and, and he, was, he was squeezing in between the aisles as people were standing. And I just saw him literally go row by row, giving everyone a hug he could give a hug. And I thought, I think I know what he's doing. He wants everyone he could reach, and wasn't going to connect with everyone, to know that that no matter what they're going through, that they are loved and there's hope for them and not to give up. And I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's been done to you. But my prayer is that's what you would experience, that you would say, God, I don't worship a God out there. I worship a God who walks with me right now. And Lord, will you walk with me even as I go through this? That leads to number four. Take my right now opportunity. For me, honestly, I don't have as hard a time as with what people have done to me. And I know for some of you, it's been horrible and unimaginable. Or the evil in the world. You know where I have the hardest time is the things that I do. And that when it's in my own heart, and see, God, His plan is a plan of redemption, and that includes you. In Isaiah, it says this, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and He will have mercy on them. And to our God, for He will freely pardon you come here today and maybe it's a burden of, of life that's happened to you and it has been painful and difficult, or maybe it's a burden of your own wrestling with life and faith and God and sin. And God wants to meet you in this moment. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.